Welcome to the Bike Life Podcast by Warm Showers Foundation, where we will be sharing knowledge, experience, tools, and stories of touring cyclists and hosts from around the world. I'm Tauber Lee, the woman behind the scenes at Warm Showers Foundation, the leading platform for cyclists looking for hosts and to connect with a passionate international community. Find out more by visiting us at warmshowers.org. Now on to the show. Today we begin with a story. A story of a man in his mid-40s who has spent the last 15 years coming to terms with the environmental crisis. At this stage in his life, the scale and complexity of the problem, combined with a couple of replacement body parts, led him to a midlife crisis. He started asking, what do I want to do when I grow up? Who do I want to be? What do I want for the future generations when they grow up? How do I positively contribute to the world? And when searching to the answers for these questions, it seemed like he lingered down a dark alley. He didn't want to risk one of his last nine lives by going too far down. And instead, he decided to jump on a bike and start looking for the answers. Welcome, Brandon. Hi, how are you doing? Such an interesting beginning to your story. I would love for you to pick up where I left off that you decided to jump on a bike and look Which, for the oh, answers. Good. I'm, I'm glad you didn't mention the dark alley. It's fine. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Did you actually go down a dark alley? Okay, wait. I'll save that question. We'll that's, get to that's that. A much, that's a different story. And I've got stitches <laughs> to prove it. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, that means we're definitely going to have to go okay. there. Okay, let's let's start with... Like, how did you get into that place in your life where you started contemplating these questions? I'll be honest, it was the last recession, um, 2008, 2009. Um, it hit the world. I was in my career. I didn't know. Well, actually, I suppose the the world didn't make sense at that point, especially with businesses going bankrupt and everything else, the uh, people losing their homes and everything else. And I was working in the property industry. And so I think, right, okay, I've got a fresh start here. I've paid all my debts off. I was in my 30s, student loans gone. And I was like, okay, what do I want to be? And so, oh, I want to be a marine biologist. So I started applying and I thought, well, actually, I'd better check out what marine biology involves. So I went over to Mexico for six months, lived on a beach, and worked with uh, Global Vision International. And, yeah, we did some marine biology and we learned the basics. At this point, I looked at what we were doing in the coral bleaching, and I was like, wow, it's a bigger problem than I expected. And so I took a little deviation, and I actually ended up doing a sustainable uh, development master's in Australia, Macquarie University. And then... <laughs> the dark hole gets bigger and bigger as you learn more about the complexity of the problems. And yeah, so I went back to the property industry to see if I could um, create impact back there. And it's very difficult, very, very difficult. So, Where were you located originally before you left for Mexico? Uh, Dubai. Okay. Yeah, I was running away so, from the recession in the UK. So, yeah. Okay, got you. Yeah. And so when you completed that time and and completed your degree in Australia, you said? Yep. Was that program aligned with the UN's development, sustainable development goals? It, it was, so, yes. And uh, yeah, it was exceptional, actually. I really, really enjoyed it. Amazing. Yeah. 
So then where did you go? Like, where did you geographically? I stayed locate? in Australia for five years. It was great. Okay. Uh, I loved the place. Fantastic. Traveled around quite a lot. Um, had the pleasure of going to see some indigenous communities and some quite rural places. And then um, had some family illnesses, so I came back to the UK. And so I've been back in the UK for a while. And then COVID hit. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it was 2017 I resigned from my job and just I was building skyscrapers and just didn't make any sense to me, especially with the environmental crisis. And so I thought, right, it's, let's stop and start again. It's really hard. It's really hard to be in a business model that, you know, we need money like to survive. It's it's part of how today just operates. Um it is hard to balance what we know is happening in the environment with a lot of the biggest industries that actually can make you money. It's, you know, (laughs) capitalism is, is, is hard on our, on our planet. And I can understand how that would feel like polarity within you. Yeah. I come from a working class community and it's very difficult knowing what I know from my master's degree and from other readings to tell working class people that they should care about the environment when they can't, heat their homes or feed the kids or um it's a a difficult place to be Mm -hmm. so you found you quit your job in 2017 and were you like then what (laughs) no i had a few startup ideas and yeah but i I found all my ideas fell back into the original system (laughs) and (laughs) and so rather than actually uh, breaking away and doing something different you're actually still contributing in the long shot I'm still wandering around working out how do I contribute, yeah. So what led to the bike trip? Well, I can't do very many sports anymore. I've prolapsed discs and I've had two hip replacements since I've been uh, back in the UK. And so cycling is one and scuba diving is my other hobby. So the two sports, I can't scuba dive 24 (laughs) hours a day, so yeah. (laughs) It is interesting as as we age, as someone who's been through multiple surgeries and yeah. joint replacements myself, it does change what we can do. It doesn't change what we want to do. Yeah. It changes what our our physical vessel says. Okay, <laughs> you might you might you might be past the prime for that. I always like to say that older engines uh, need more maintenance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I love adventures. So I love hiking and uh, scuba diving. Is obviously a great hobby, but you can't do that's expensive hobby Mm. so a bike is a a really cheap way to explore the world um and i suppose experience the generosity of other people when they see you (laughs) disheveled and that's why i'm wearing this shirt by the way do you like it i do it's very flowery it's disguises the fact that i haven't slept for three days and i smell (laughs) (laughs) i thought you wear something bright and cheerful it'll just make people go oh until they get close (laughs) <laughs> that's so funny that's great and where are you currently doing this interview from um i'm in a place called Macclesfield, um which is actually quite interesting because 300 years ago it was the center of global silk trade mm. and at the end of this trip near the end of this trip i'll be at the beginning of the silk road which started 2000 years ago Oh, yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Are you just at a stopping point for us to connect or yeah, is this yeah. a, a, a stop in your journey? It was a great timing because the weather turned horrible. So, yeah, I, mm. I got a book <laughs> for that. So tell me when you started your first bike tour. Let's talk about that. Um, during COVID, I actually disappeared to the Canary Islands for six months and worked remotely and did a lot of hiking. And I saw a few cyclists and I thought, oh, that looks interesting. I wonder if I could do that. And so I came up to the UK and I did a little trip through France to Bilbao. 
very unfit, but I managed it. And then last Christmas I did Patagonia. Mm. Had a few issues. Minor snapped axle, but um, amazing support from different people like Robert Axel Pro- Project. And I was exploring over there, um, taking my time, meeting people and educators, etc. Looking into rewilding and the nature conservation that's going on around the world. And yeah, it's fabulous. Okay, so before we talk about more biking, I want to talk about that. Tell me more about the <laughs> rewilding communities you found. And and wait, I am going to want to ask you how your hips are faring. Like how are replaced hips and, and yeah. all your adventuring faring? Like I said, I, I totally can understand. Yeah. So what's that like? <laughs> so, yeah, the rewilding stuff. I'll start with that. Um, I actually fancy going to Costa Rica, but all you hear from Costa Rica is success stories. And Patagonia's got a lot going on. They've got melting glaciers, deforestation, wildfires have had invasive species, but also they've got some success stories from, uh, I don't know if you heard of Tonkin's conservation and rewilding Chile and rewilding Argentina. Well, they've bought swathes of land back in the day and they've, I don't know, quadrupled it, I think tenfold, and did a partnership with local governments. And they've created these massive nature conservation reserves. And so slowly but surely, pumas are coming back, um, some of the big predator species. Uh, it's f- fabulous. But obviously, mm-hmm. they've had challenges with local people because they're against, not against, but by creating these conservation areas um, and rewilding, um, it's against sort of farming and the, the normal traditional business. Mm. So yeah, I thought it was a really good example of how, and then back to my well, my statement earlier, really, how do you explain to working class people about the, the benefits of the environment and everything else mm-hmm. when it's their livelihood on the line? And so I thought that was a really good example of Patagonia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was there a part of that in there, too, of certain areas that where tourism is, uh, is can be really harmful for the lands is often the way that a lot of local communities survive. Exactly. So when you re- when you replace even just tourism, not even I mean, farming is a whole nother category of that. Uh, it, I can understand both sides. And how did you navigate that while you were learning about it? I tried not to. I tried just to listen. <laughs> I'm very yeah. early on in my journey. And um, it's quite easy to, for a, from someone from a Western perspective to roll in with the answers. Uh, and sometimes it's better to just listen and let it sort of germinate. Yeah. So you spent quite a bit of time in those areas, checking out these rewilding Yeah, I did. Well, thanks, thanks to my broken axle, um, which took me a month over the Christmas to uh, replace. Um, that, was on the, that was on a trailer, a Bob trailer. It was great, great fun. Um, oh, yeah, I did some hiking and stuff, met some nice people. I uh, did some remote hiking on my own for three days, four days, five days. Huge blisters. But yeah, it's, it's a stunning part of the world. But you can see the impact of farming over the generations. And it reminds me a lot of the UK and places. Mm, of the lands, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a slow process. Right, right. So when you got your ax- axle fixed, where'd you go? Headed south, um, all the way to the end of the world, Ushuaia. So yeah. So I started in Bariloche, first two days, heat stroke. It was 35 degrees. I was not prepared. Hiding under trees. Mm. Drinking out of mountain streams. Uh, yeah, it was good. And then torrential rain, sandstorms. It was fabulous. It was a great trip. How long? 
I think it was three, over three months by the end of it. Yeah. And did you, at that point, like, when did you connect with Warm Showers? Like, when did you connect with the organization? It was actually in, in France. Um, I just got really inspired. I've met old people and young people. I think I met a, I can't remember, it was a 17-year-old German student, or a guy before he came to university, just on his own, cycling around. I met an 80-year-old man. I met a young uh, Spanish nurse who'd, COVID had just taken its toll, and she'd gone cycling through the, I think they call it the ghost quarter or the barren quarter in Spain, on her own. I was very impressed mm-hmm. by some of these people, and that mm-hmm. sort of inspired me to take it a little further. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so is, it was it one of them that introduced you to warm showers, or did you already I, know about warm no, showers no, at that time? No, no, I think it was one of those. Yes, having a just, yeah, having a chat over a glass of pop. Yeah, we we find a lot of people hear about us while they're on tour. If they didn't yeah. know about us prior, they they run into another cyclist, and um, it usually blows people's mind that wait, what, yeah. <laughs> what is available? Like they they do they do what? Today's episode is brought to you by BikeFlights.com, the leading bicycle shipping service and bike box supplier for cyclists. You'll enjoy low costs, excellent service, and on-time delivery with every shipment. And you get preferred handling for your high-value bikes, wheels, and gear. As a brand built around a love for the outdoors, they are committed to reducing environmental impact, and every bike flight's shipment is carbon neutral. Join the nearly 1 million cyclists who have used bike flights to ship their bikes, wheels, and gear with confidence since 2009 and see how easy it is to book, manage, and track all of your shipments. Visit bikeflights.com forward slash warm showers today for more information and to book your shipment. Now back to the show. Um, yeah, we, we love we love it. I mean, a lot of what warm, how warm showers has grown has been through word of mouth of community building. Oh, in Patagonia, invaluable. Um, mm-hmm. Even though I didn't stay with a lot of the people, I just contact and say, listen, I'm passing through your area. What can you recommend? Mm. Um, there were some great stories. Uh, one young lad was, I think he was quite seriously ill for about three or four days. And they let them hunker down at um, a warm showers house in a quite a remote part of the world as well. So there was nowhere to go. Um, until he got better. So yeah, it's a great community. Yeah, we love that. Even even where I'm located, I often get a lot of requests for information more than I get requests to mm. stay. Like um, a lot of people, because I live on an island, so a lot of people can pass through here easily in a day. Um, but I definitely get a lot of requests for information, especially during hurricane season. <laughs> I get a lot of requests <laughs> on, is there still a road there? And some days I'm like, well, there might be now, but I can't tell you about Friday. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> Um, yeah, the request for just the connection, right? Warm showers is more than just a bed or a meal. It's it's a connection. So talk to me about this piece that you have built into your adventuring on how to create impact for the next generation. Well, I, I, as I said, I'm exploring really about what's effective. Um, I, I think some of these... There's amazing rewilding schemes. These really gigantic schemes that are happening around the world are great. But it does place the responsibility on a few people. And I think we all have to take ownership and responsibility. And rather than putting, forcing on the people that are stuck in the current system, you're, you're swimming upstream. Um, really, I think we have to go back to the education system and integrate more environmental awareness into the system. The UK's doing some really cool stuff. Um, which actually something we could publish today. 
Um, I've been talking to the Green School in Bali. They're quite inspiring about their green education. But if we can get the next generations and the generation after that just to think a little bit more, we're on the road to change. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, if I can connect the world like Warm Showers does uh, through my little trip and um, children across the world. So, for instance, in Patagonia, um, I was trying to link in different storylines and work out where to take it. And there's an organization called MPB.com who sells secondhand cameras, so Second Life. And they donated loads of cameras to me. So I was carrying this big bag of cameras around to donate to schools in remote areas of Patagonia. Mm. Um, so hopefully they can then tell their own story about their environmental awareness and their journey on, in the future. Mm-hmm. So from your perspective as an individual, how can individuals feel like they contribute to making a positive impact on the environment? And I know that's a big question. And I, anytime I, I speak to someone who is knowledgeable in this area, like you are, you know, we all want these practical tools, these practical things um, that we can implement or be a part of, other than we should donate our time and our money mm. to causes that we care about. Of course, always. We should donate to warm showers, but you should also donate your time and money to causes that are truly close to your heart, like verify, find a good organization and put your money behind. Because one of the most powerful ways we can make changes through our donations, like how we give back to the community. But there's a lot of people that want to know, like, where can they make impact in their own life in a way that's simple and I often talk about and I might I might I might take some some heat for this <laughs> I'm gonna put myself out there and say something that not a lot of people are gonna like and that's fine I'll just say in advance this is just my opinion and my experience but companies like Amazon um, are creating a lot of harm in in our environment and I won't I won't go into all the details why but it is one area that I've done a lot of research in and just the sheer quantity of oversupplies, overuse of transportation. Um, you know, we all want our things when we want it. Like for me, I talk, I, in my life, and I think about this and talk about this with others is pre-plan shop local, right? Like pre-plan shop local that takes this urgent need of have to have it right now when I want it away. And then it, it removes our desire to put money in hands of people like Amazon. But that's, I'm, that's what I, I'm guilty I'm as like, charged. I love Amazon. Yeah. I can't help myself. It's one of my vices. So, yeah. I know. And I'm going to say, no, I, I know. I do too. I, I, it's my last resort. It's not my, it's not the only option. It just, it just becomes the last resort because once we become conscious of companies that are not doing good things for our environment, where there are other businesses that are doing much better things for our environment, but it's also just becoming aware of it. Like it's such mm. a daunting task to figure it out. I, admittedly, when I've got time, I do try and support the B Corp um, mm-hmm. companies. There's some great ones in the UK. I'm like a poster boy for Patagonia and uh, Rab and other organizations, clothing. That uh, I try to do really good stuff. Yeah. So So what do you suggest as individuals? What is something that people could do that could make a positive impact? I I must admit it's difficult to change, isn't it? It is. The older you get, the the more difficult it is to change. Um, Mm. I've found that helping younger people on their journey has led me to understanding why I'm changing. I think people say, okay, it's bad, but I don't think they understand why because I can never see the impact in the future. But when you work with young people, I think then you can extrapolate the impact it's going to have on their lives and then your grandchildren's lives and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I think that gives you a bit more of a grounding and anchoring. So yeah. I think, yeah, that's why I think education is a good all-rounder. Yeah, 
Yeah, and, and I like that. I mean, obviously, real positive, big scale change is going to have to come from the ways that you've outlined it in the education system for sure. We need new thinking, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Well, so, new, new world leaders, I'd say. Yeah, well, <laughs> not, I mean, we need new world leaders. A lot of countries need new leaders. We need new leaders everywhere. We, we need to come back to the people. I mean, right, we're coming back to this phase. So you've collected all this information. You've done some bike touring. Like, what, what have you done with everything that you've learned? Like, what, what's next? Like, where are you taking this? So I've created a little website called spacetoevolve.com. And on there, I've just collated loads of information from different organizations. So one of the challenges we have with education is, I don't know about the world, but in the UK, teachers don't have much time, especially in the secondary school. It's a tick box exercise for the curriculum. And it's really difficult to inspire the kids uh, when you're on this sort of regime. So I thought of how do you make it easy for them? And so there's so many great organizations out there doing stuff. But... Um, we found it's difficult to give things away, even for free, to schools. Mm. Um, so how do we break down that barrier and just make it easy for them? Um, so the more people we talk to, uh, the more you can do in your community, do it local. Um, it's probably the best thing you can do while I'm gallivanting around the world on my bike, which is very hard work, <laughs> so it's not that glorious. <laughs> I'm, always curi- I'm always curious as to why schools turn down donations, donated items. Why is that? Time, safety, there's lots of different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, safeguarding's a big issue. Yeah, plus COVID put a big barrier in there of, of things that could carry potential germs. Uh, yeah, okay, I understand. So what's next? What's coming up, Brandon? Well, I started three days ago, and I've got about 670 days left, I think. Wow. Based on the speed I've gone today. <laughs> so where are you going well, so far, um, I'm going to head into some beautiful parts of southern England, across the Channel, a um, bit of France, Belgium, Germany, catching with some friends I've lost touch with over the years, Alps, Slovenia, Greece, Turkey. I was going to go COP28 and just make a noise, but I think that might be a lost cause based on the uh, attendees. Hmm. Um, and then really... Uh, Looking forward to going on the Silk Road, Pamir Highway, through the Kazakhstan, the rest of the Stans, mm. um, over into China. And then, uh, yeah, Nepal's high on my list of things to do. Amazing. Um, we've got a, a very large Nepalese community where I come from and very respectful people. And you see them take their kids and even old people walking out in nature all the time. It's great to see. Mm. I'm just interested in their backstory and, yeah. Interesting. How I mean, how can people follow you on this journey and follow you along other than your website, which we will put a link in the show notes. But are there other places where you post regular updates? Yeah, I will be. I'm terrible on social media. I'm a middle aged man. I'm not supposed to be on social media. <laughs> the Internet wasn't out when I was at college. So come on. <laughs> You're only just <laughs> oh, I'm, 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 I'm going to I'm going to laugh because I remember I remember having a conversation with someone recently about the fact that when I was in high school, there weren't any cell phones. And no. I mean, like my children, the younger generation, they're like, well, how did you talk to people? And I'm like, with my mouth, <laughs> like with, like physically, like with my mouth. They're like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we've set up a space space to evolve Instagram, which I haven't used yet. And then my own personal ones, random acts of nature. 
um, mm. which I'll be loading up photographs and uh, just sharing people and journeys. Wonderful. I hope you keep us posted, Brandon. You have a, a, a very expansive, free-feeling trip ahead of you, and we invite you to keep in touch. We love having returning guests that have been through different parts of their journey, so make sure that you keep us posted on how things are going, and we'll put all the links on how people can find you in the show notes. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you for taking the time on your, your journey in your pretty shirt <laughs> <laughs> to join us today. Luckily, we have an invented, invented smell vision It's fine. <laughs> you know, funny enough, the moment you say that, anybody that's done any long touring or ha or hosted a long tour, they're like, oh, I know what that smells like. They're, they're, they already just know. They're like, I know. I got it. I know. <laughs> it's like a, it's it brings back memories to a lot of people, myself included. It's like memories. Oh, I, I remember that smell. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Best of luck. And thank you again for taking the time to join us today. Thank you very much. And for those of you listening, thank you for joining us. And if you are listening to us on an app that allows you to give us uh, a rating and review, we appreciate it. And if you are on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button below and we will be back soon. Thank you for joining us. And we hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Wherever you are listening, please leave us a rating and a review as it helps us reach more cyclists and hosts around the world. Visit us at warmshowers.org to become a part of our community or on Instagram at warmshowers underscore org. If you would like to be a guest on the show or submit a question, please make sure to email us at podcast at warmshowers.org.